0: Due to adult content, parental discretion is advised. To begin. Are you watching closely? To begin. I
1: just touch time. Start. What plaything can you offer me today? Here's the deal. Just give
2: me the facts. Just the facts. Only the facts. Breathe. Focus. Keep it simple. No, 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 no doubt, no doubt. Okay. Welcome to Cock and Bull Minute,
1: a Tristram Shandy story, a podcast in which, eventually. Ostensibly, at some point, we will be talking about the 2005 film Tristram Shandy, A Cock and Bull Story, one minute at a time. Good lord, what is this story all about? Cock and a bull story. Here's your host, me, Robert Black. Okay, we are here for, what is this? This is group four. We're going to be going out of order because who cares about numbers? I have repeat customer here today, Sean German, who was here with us for I want to say episodes five and seven. It was a while ago. That sounds mm-hmm. about right. Hello, everybody. Hello, Robert. Thanks for having me back. So, Sean German of currently Next Scene Podcast, previously mm-hmm. of Groundhog Minutes, mm-hmm. uh, Spinal Tap Minute, Spinal Tap Minute. I always forget the name of your Christmas Vacation Days. Was that it? National (laughs) Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Day. That's why I can never remember. It's too many words. (laughs) It's a mouthful. And today, and maybe, well, it depends how long we talk, next week, a few weeks in, who knows, Uh, we're talking about group four, which is Brigsby Bear versus Dave Made a Maze. I was actually curious. First, everyone should know, if you're listening to this in the future, this is during like the quarantine, stay in your home kind of time with the COVID-19. So uh, have you been watching more movies than usual? Mm Mm-hmm. Like what? Anything good?
0: Um. Well, yeah. Like uh, like these two films, which, <laughs> which, which I had seen before, but it gave me an opportunity to to watch them again, which is always fun. Like revisiting old friends.
1: I don't know if I've watched anything notably good. I mean, I've watched some good movies, but I did watch, uh, and I hope to talk about this on the room minute sometime soon. I did watch what is possibly one of now my I think bottom two worst movies ever go born into mafia i watched that this week and it was awesome (laughs) it must be Yeah. yeah it's up there with shark exorcist as being like worst ever but i'll talk about that on the room minute a lot of my stuff I've been watching this recently is TV stuff. I binge watch Bosch. I think you're watching some of that. I watched all five seasons in five days.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, I'm coming up to the end of season one. Nice. So I'm a little bit behind
1: you there. I, I, I slowed down. That was last week because I had been sick <laughs> and I was just like, I'm not doing anything. So I just binge watch TV for five days. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but then yeah, watching these two movies again, even though I had seen them a bunch of times. Dave Made a Maze came up as a recommendation on Amazon Prime back when I was still doing Groundhog Day Project, and Brigsby Bear actually saw it in the theater when it came out. It was on a little a theater near here, which I haven't been to a movie theater in weeks, which is weird, but anyway. Listeners, in case you haven't seen either movie, Brigsby Bear is uh, directed by Dave McCary, written by Kevin Costello and Kyle Mooney, story by Kyle Mooney. Uh, it is about a... How do you boil it down to one sentence? Um, <laughs> that's the question. Yeah. A young man who has grown up on a single TV show called Briggsby Bear finds out that he was actually abducted as a child by his who he thinks is her, his parents. He thinks he's living in like a post-apocalyptic kind of disease-ridden wasteland, but no, they just keep him in a bunker in the desert for reasons, and have been making this show that they use to kind of like teach him things and keep him entertained. Once he gets out and realizes that show's not real, with some new friends he made, they try to make a movie of Brigsby Bear, and it's a nice, wholesome, fun little thing. Uh, then on the other hand, you got Dave Made a Maze, directed by Bill Watterson, written by Stephen Sears and Bill Watterson, story by Stephen Sears, which is about a guy who builds a cardboard maze in his living room. And then gets lost inside it because it's bigger on the inside and his friends have to rescue him. That one's easier to describe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's got that going for it. So that's two
0: two films about um, about the creative process. Yeah. About creating things. There are also two films within a film. Uh, so as, as you mentioned, Brigsby Bear is about this young man, James. Finding out that he was the there was an audience of one Mm -hmm. for this TV show, Briggsby Baron decides to make a film of it. But in Dave made a maze, while Dave is making a maze, he's being followed by a film crew that's kind of documenting this process. So both are films within a film.
1: Yeah. Now, you said you had an essential question. Should we start there, or is that a final thing?
0: Um. Well, I think we can start with the question. We may not have an answer till the end. We may not have an answer at all. Okay. Um, but in thinking about these films and, and comparing and, and contrasting, what it came down to for me is in the end of Brigsby Bear, James has his film. He created this. We don't know how long it is. Presumably it's feature film length, probably yeah. 90 to 120 minutes. It gets shown in a theater. There's an audience. Yeah. and he's got this thing. He can probably take it home and, and and watch it again if he wants to revisit. At the end of Dave made a maze, the maze is destroyed. Yeah. And that seems the and and it becomes a major theme that the destruction and creation or finalization, completing the maze and destroying the maze, are sort of yin and yang. They're two sides of the same coin to, to destroy the maze. Dave has to complete it and to complete it, he has to destroy it. And in the end he, he has no maze. So, um, you know, is, is, you know, is one better than the other because the creator has something other than his memories at the end that the creation survives is, is accomplishment ultimately an illusion. Is, is Dave better off because he just has the experience, what he's grown, what he's learned, how he's changed through the process. And maybe it's an illusion for James. Maybe he's handicapped. If he, th- if he thinks, well, you know, I've, this was good because I have this film when he really should be thinking this was good because of, you know, because of the experience and because of the friends and family that were with me. While I went through it, and if he look, you know, if he concentrates on the film itself, then he, maybe he's missing the point. So maybe, you know, maybe the maze is better because there's no maze at the end to distract Dave. Maybe Brigsby's better because James has his film in the end.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you are the guest for these now because the way you were describing that, I was thinking of when I wrote about mandalas for Groundhog Day Project. And like the creation of for Phil and Groundhog Day, it's the ice sculptures, but creation of like sand sculptures that are literally like you make them, you destroy them. Mm -hmm. It's the process that is the point. Yeah. And so when it comes to the art product, yeah, the maze is gone, but it still existed. They do have a record of it because they do have the documentary tapes. Most of them. They don't have the last tape. Right. right. So they wouldn't have cardboard brin on their tape. That's too bad. (laughs) Oh the world's loss <laughs> yeah so they, they they do have
0: the much of the documentary the film yeah. of the maze just not the maze itself
1: um, but yeah that's an interesting yeah. idea is like does that is that a way to measure these two movies is what is the artist at the center of a get out of the process yeah or are they even i mean in the case of james in Briggsby bear is he even an artist because it also comes down to like the only thing he wants to create, he does go see another movie with his father. He sees a, what's it called? Hockey, hockey something. I forget the title. Yeah. It looks, it looks like it's, it's like, like a mighty a ducks ge- ripoff or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a generic. We
0: don't want to pay royalties to Disney. Yes. Yeah, so the one scene of a hockey movie. <laughs> yeah. One scene of a hockey movie with kids.
1: Yeah. But then he, all he wants to make is a new Brigsby bear, which is fine. That could be the stepping stone to then he becomes like a, filmmaker mm-hmm. with his new friends and makes other things i'm sure they'd make other stuff because the guy he meets at the party i forget the character's name now is it spencer spencer yeah spencer definitely already makes films and little video things on his computer so they probably make other things and we can yeah. imagine very easily that it's a start of a process where he's gonna be a filmmaker and make more things and get away from what is essentially a long therapy session and making this film yeah He doesn't like therapy. He goes. He's made to go to a therapist, and he doesn't like it. He doesn't like talking about those stuff because he hasn't really processed the damage done to him yet. Yeah. Whereas the film can do it for him.
0: So it's it's a it's it's I don't know. They call it is like occupational therapy. It's it's, (laughs) he's he's working through it. It's you know active therapy versus talk therapy. And and Dave is working through some things as 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 well. Well, yeah. You could almost call that process therapy.
1: In the opening credits of Dave Made a Maze, we see an animated sequence where we see that he does a lot of weird art projects. He took up carpentry, he took up origami, he took up music, we see his keyboard, Mm -hmm. and now he's building this cardboard thing. So he tries all of these things out, and this is the first one that he's actually followed through on. Even though we learn partway through the movie, he recently had a job interview for an actual job, which his friend uh, calls him a sellout for that. (laughs) Because they're filmmakers. Don't think
0: I didn't notice your complete and utter lack of beard, you paper dick. I had an interview. Oh, sellout. Yeah. Well, no, I don't know if it's necessarily the the interview that he you know goes for a job, but that he shaves the beard.
1: He shaves his beard, yeah.
0: He shaves his beard for the interview. Yeah, and that's what makes him a sellout.
1: Well, it means he was actually trying to get the job. So
0: yeah. So and I thought this was appropriate to have you here. Uh, mr black yeah. for this and and going back to, to my question about you know is it better to, to lose the maze at the end or have the film at the end you talked about an experience of I forget if it was a a novel or a story something you had written as a novel and in transferring between various generations of technology and, and different computers yeah you talk about losing um I forget I, was it just the last chapter or was it was
1: just the last chapter yeah
0: the last chapter of something you had written and you know we haven't gone into depth on that subject but I think there was back and forth and I believe at the time and if I didn't make the comment now'll or then if I didn't say this then'll I'll say it now mm-hmm. that you know you still have the experience of having written it yeah. even if you don't have the thing that you wrote right so you're a little bit you're a little bit like Dave losing his maze at the end although you didn't um, you know, you didn't destroy your creation on purpose.
1: No, no. You
0: know, at least not consciously.
1: And and I did do a sort of a rebuild of it. At 6 a.m. the next morning, I woke up mm-hmm. after a horrible night and wrote a new version of the chapter, which I, to this day, still don't think is as good as the original. Mm-hmm. But on that, yeah, I'll never have the original. Yeah.
0: Now, that's a strange feeling because, yeah. and I I I sympathize. I empathize. I am with you. Just that feeling that <laughs> the, the second time around is never, is it, it just not as good as that first inspiration, that first time through that original. But then everything I've, I've been told about creative work and my non creative work is it's made in the editing. Like the first draft, you're never done at the first draft. That's always, it's a, it's called draft for a reason and you're supposed to work on things and perfect things and and, and I think part of that in, in terms of as a starting point I guess it's supposed to be encouraging that if yeah. you know if the if your the first version of something is not as good as you want it to be that doesn't mean you're no good it just means you need to work on your process
1: or write something you
0: know? else or, or write something else so we're not supposed to you know we're not supposed to stop at the first version. Now that doesn't necessarily mean delete it, erase it, and start from a blank page again. True. Sure. But like the the first time through is not supposed to be the final version. We're supposed to edit and work on our craft and develop and allow for change. But then but I'm totally sympathetic of you did it once, the way it came out was what you wanted. Yeah. And then no matter how many times you go back to recreate it, you'll it'll never be as good as that the one that got away.
1: Right. But then there's also things where on the first draft, like certain short stories I've written, one draft sat down, wrote it, still love how it turned out. And so there's there's alternatives. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in that case it was a ten chapter novel that I wrote one chapter at a time, and this was I wanna say 19... 19- ninety nine two thousand so I was emailing out the chapters to like people who wanted to read it so this was the first time I had an actual audience and then the night I wrote chapter ten and I had to take it from one computer to another in order to put it on the internet and it was not on my floppy disk so it was that was a different thing because at that point I had ninety percent of the story is already written and I kind of liked it it did need an edit a few years later I have since edited it and made it flow a little better mm-hmm. but yeah generally speaking it's It's true of art, it's true of things in life, yeah. You need to get better at it as you go. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, cheesy sayings like, if at first you don't succeed and all that, give up, move on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) As Homer Simpson would
1: say, the lesson is never try. You tried your
0: best and you failed miserably. The lesson is never try. The lesson is never try. So do we see any 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 parallels, any commonalities between the characters in these two films? Because certainly, or I, I think it's certain, and you, free, you may disagree, but Dave and James are very different, and they're, at least on the surface, yeah. their motivations for their creations are very different.
1: Well, I think they're similar characters. I don't think they're similar people. Mm-hmm. Because in terms of their role within the film, essentially you could take – The whole idea to Dave is that he is this artist who has been trying to make art, but you know, the world's full of billions of people. Your art isn't always going to get anywhere. And so he's kind of trapped himself in this life that he keeps trying and trying and trying and failing until he eventually makes, like literally makes something that imprisons himself. Whereas, I mean, that's kind of a metaphor in a way for what is literal for James is that he was forced into a prison, like stuck in a bunker in the middle of the desert. Where he thought if you went outside, he could die. And so it's like one movie takes literally what the other one kind of presumes in the opening sequence. Mm-hmm. Is that this is a guy who's stuck in this particular moment in his life and his only choice is to create his way out. But his characters, because Dave has grown up around actual people, he's gone to college, he's got a girlfriend that he lives with, he's got friends. He's a very different person than James. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. True. True.
0: And I also wanted to look at the role that Harry plays in Dave Makes a Maze. And then you mentioned earlier Spencer yeah. from Bigsby Bear. So Harry, for the folks that haven't seen it, Harry is the director of this documentary. Like The crew, he's got a cameraman and a, a sound guy following Dave and his friends in this maze. So he's the director of the, the documentary. And then Spencer is... Well, he's, he's a friend of James's sister, who ultimately becomes a friend of James. And he's the guy who's got some of the technical know-how and helps out with the filming. And yeah, he's, he's apparently, he's made some short videos on the internet of his own. And I think they, they, in terms of the story and the characters, they, they serve similar purposes. But as you said, they're, they're different people. And I think the main difference is Harry is. Harry tries to stay outside of things. He's, yeah. he's making a documentary while Spencer is, is more involved. He's a co-director. He's a co-writer. He becomes a fan of this Brigsby Bear series after he learns about it from James and watches a few episodes. So he's, he's more a partner in the process that the main character that James is going through. He's more a partner with James than, than Harry is
1: with Dave. I think it's also interesting in in that regard is that James, with Spencer's help, is more actively finding his way through this creative process. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Harry's case, he's the one doing something creative in the present, at least until the end of the movie, when they have to, you know, spoilers, create the center of the maze, create its weak spot, and destroy it. Until then, we don't see Dave doing a lot of the creative stuff. It happened off screen. It's already, he already has the maze. Mm-hmm. And so Dave is more of a passive participant in the middle of the movie, even though it's actually a great moment in the movie when the rest of everyone who came in to rescue him finally meets up with Dave and he's going to take the lead of the group and immediately hits a dead end in the maze (laughs) because it's a perfect encapsulation of his position in that role. He got trapped in this thing he made. He can't get out without the help of his friends, which is similar to, I mean, coming back to James is he can't get out of like, this maze in his mind from being in this bunker all his life without the help of spence without the help of his sister without the help of her other friend and eventually his own parents have to realize they can't try to force him into therapy they need to help him do what he has to do Mm -hmm. and the help of the police chief and you know all of these people have to that's why both these movies not all of the these groups in this final 36 bracket are movies this similar but these two fit very well together and they're both essentially about this creative process where it's the group has to come together and make it happen. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And Brigsby is certainly more um, immediate with that message. Like you said, Dave, most of the maze he makes on his own over the course of the weekend. Yeah. And then throughout the film, it becomes revealed that even the solo creative process, the, you know, the friends and the family, the people around the creator. Are going to be affected and ultimately involved. Whereas in, in Brigsby, that lesson's more explicit because yeah. filmmaking is more of a, a group activity. True, true. It's just more of a, a collaborative effort that by its nature, he's going to involve the people around him. Even the people that aren't directly involved, his parents don't get on board until the, particularly his father, till the very end, but his his sister and his friends are there. He needs. You know, you need someone working the camera while he's acting and someone, and he's got fellow actors to work off of and people doing special effects and, and other things. It's a, it's a group effort.
1: Which, to end this episode, I'll say that is sort of the case toward the end of Dave Made a Maze, but it's not as mm-hmm. literal or not as obvious. Right. Well, it, it, it takes time to develop. Just... Let the listeners get out of here quickly because I like to make this show short. Uh, Sean, tell them where to find your shows.
0: Uh, well, you can, you can find me. I'll send you to catandshawn.org. That's C A T and Sean, S E A N.org. And there I link to my, my podcasts, uh, which include, the uh, The Next Scene and Groundhog Minute, where we covered Groundhog Day and Spinal Tap Minute. And it will also link to, um, all my guest appearances on other podcasts, including this one. So if you're not sure where to find this, Go to catandshawn.org look, look under uh, guest appearances, and I will, I will link back here. And the circle will be complete.
1: Thank you for listening. This has been Cock and Bull Minute, a Tristram Shandy story. First, before we go, a quick bonus. Here's the story as it was written and recorded for my Dave Made a Minute podcast, episodes 59 and 60, regarding that lost last chapter of a novel. You'll have to pardon the accent. It was a little play on what Liz Whitaker and George Hendricks had put together for those episodes. It was also a way of distancing myself from a story that was, even after so many years, still an emotional one.
2: August and September 1999, I wrote a story called Seeing Her Naked. I wrote it in chapters, each in one sitting, and emailed them out like an old-timey serial, Seeing Her Naked and had chapters. The final chapter was written Monday, 27th of September 1999, on a computer that didn't really have a hard drive. It won the computer in a lottery giveaway thing they did at the law firm where I worked at the time. It had always been connected to a network, so it had virtually no storage of its own. It also had no internet access, so each chapter would be saved to a 3.5-inch floppy. That floppy would be taken to my sister's computer in the dining room, where there was a dial-up connection in where I could copy and paste the text of the chapter into a series of outgoing emails. At its peak, the story had about 100 regular readers. There was no mailing list to make that any easier than copying and pasting from a list a dozen or so at a time, because there was a limit to how many recipients I could have. I poured a lot of emotion into that last chapter, which climaxed with an angry confrontation between the narrator and his childhood friend and once upon a time would-be girlfriend. I finished the writing feeling already fairly drained. I saved the file onto a floppy, ejected it, took it to the other computer, and the file wasn't there. Or rather, the file was there, and inexplicably. Some of the words were there, but with gaps. Imagine a typed page of text, and someone had gone through and erased the majority of the words on the page. This was how each page of the chapter appeared. I returned to my own computer, hoping I had left the file open, or could recover it somehow. There was no autosave function in the old version of WordPerfect I was using. After the panic, there were tears. I slept fitfully after the final chapter of Seeing Her Naked Was Lost. I wrote the next day, as a note to my by-email audience, that it took me a few hours to write the chapter. It, quote, had an ending that had me in tears and completely worn down, end quote. And I explained the following in very brief terms. I cried until I fell asleep emotionally and perhaps spiritually exhausted. I awoke in the morning at about 6 a.m. I had to be to work by 8. With a strange sort of stubbornness, I put behind me the tears of the night before and started typing. And I typed. And I typed. A sort of insane typing, producing far too many words in far too short a time. I rewrote that final chapter, hitting the words that were there and working what of them I could into a new, and I still contend lesser, version of that final chapter. In a way, the new version may have worked because of the pain of the night before. When the character of Katie confronts Joel about his urge to adultery, the argument felt to me more visceral, infused with something it hadn't been before. I emailed the new version out. I made it to work on time. Thank you for listening. This has been Cock and Bowl Minute, a Tristram Shandy story.
1: Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cock Bowl Minute, Or find us in the Facebook listeners group, Cock and Bowl Pub. Find more content at lemmingdrops.com.